Welcome to the Global Mission Sync Podcast. Today's episode features Brian Hannigan. Who here in the audience or online thinks they know what is the most important reason for us to gather as a church? Any any thoughts? Worship the Lord, meet with God, right? That's why we want to get together. And it's we're actually going to his house. And so there are certain things about meeting with God that are really special. And we try to learn from the Bible and from experience what those things are. So the main reason for everything is to meet with God and get to know him. But there is another major reason, and I'm it's not in my notes, but I'm just going to read it. It's from 1 Timothy 3.14, and I, I'm doing a Bible study through Timothy, Titus, and Philemon, really enjoying it, and it just takes some scriptures and gives the background on it, which I really enjoy. 1 Timothy 3.14 and 15, Paul is writing Timothy, and Timothy is in a really lovely, godly city where everybody loves the Lord. No. He's in Ephesus, and Ephesus is like a city that's full of casinos, full of places where people are misbehaving and not knowing God. And so here we are. We're also in a society that doesn't know God and doesn't appreciate what we do. But here's what Paul said to Timothy in Ephesus. I'm writing These things to you, hoping as I write to come to you soon. But I am writing so that if I am delayed, you may know how to behave yourselves in the household of God, which is the assembly of the living God and the pillar and buttress of the truth. So the the gathering of the saints and how we behave ourselves is uh, has Four functions mentioned here. A a church congregation is a body of people who are friends with God and friends with each other. Saints of God, we are friends of God, and we are one another's friends. When we see one another in this local church, it's a joy. And we rejoice to be with God and to be with one another. The first word here is uh, that we are a household. And the Greek word, if you're interested, is O-I-K-O-S, oikos. We are in the household of God. First and foremost, we are a family. We're a family. This local church is a family. We belong to each other. Um the second thing that it mentioned is we are an assembly of the living God. And the word assembly is in Greek is ecclesia, which means people who've been called out. So in, uh, in our country, when there's an election, um, everybody who's eligible to vote is called to vote. 
but not everybody comes. God is calling everyone, but not everyone comes. But we have come. We are called out. We are proving it by wanting to be together, wanting to gather like this. So we are called out. We aren't select. Uh, we aren't picked out. We just responded. God calls all. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, it says. The third thing is says that we are a pillar in the church. In the city of Ephesus, there was the great temple to Diana, and it had 127 pillars, one for every one. Each one was a gift from a king, and each king um, made their pillar very ornate, very beautiful. And if you look at Solomon's temple and the descriptions of those pillars, I often wondered why there was so much uh, carving and beautification put into those things because beautification doesn't help hold up the building. But us as Christians, as we go around in our community and the beauty of Christ is seen in us, that makes a difference in the world. We're, that's the salt of the earth. That's, that's what we're called to do. And so Christ uses each one of us as pillars to beautify the truth so that when unbelievers come across us or or discouraged people come across us, they get encouragement. They get hope. They get uh, a desire to to see God the way uh, the, the way God wants them to see him. So we are uh, we have a duty to uphold the truth so that when we come across situations, I came across one recently, somebody that you don't know, uh, took me to task on something I was doing in the spirit of the law. They were right, but not, I mean, in the law, they were right. It was just about, uh, social distancing and masks and, so forth, and they were very, very upset with me, and it's somebody that I, I have to, I have to do with, and I just stewed about that for several days, and then I thought, uh, what should a Christian do? So I sent them a letter of repentance and told them I was very sorry, and then it seemed to generate them. In them, the same response, then they apologize to me for, for their conduct. So not that I'm an icon, but I, I took a long time to get to the place where I needed God to show me what to do and that Christians should be examples of repentance and humility. And when we're right, that doesn't mean we, we, um, make sure the other guy knows we're right, but we can find something to repent about. The church is a buttress. It's a support. That's the fourth thing. The church is a buttress, a support, a strength. I, When I was musing about this, I thought of uh, Sister Lois Gabrick. She was somebody we didn't hear from a lot, but she was a pillar. She was unmovable. 
you knew where she stood in the things of God. And there's lots of people in this local church that are that kind of pillar. You might hear from them, you might not, but they, we need them. And for those of you who are listening online, you are pillars to us. We're pillars to one another. And we appreciate that. So those are the, the four reasons, um, that Paul outlined to Timothy for how to conduct ourselves as a church and in the church. So here we go into my list. Um, <clears throat> there are regular duties for the gathering of the church. Number one, um, we are commanded to not neglect the assembling of ourselves together. The, the spirit of the enemy today is at work to discourage the believers and to cause us to, to lose uh, initiative, lose purpose, and just become lax in the assembling of ourselves together. And, of course, I'm speaking to the people who are not doing that. <laughs> we do believe in get, getting together, but I do believe that it's discouraging for maybe all of us on some, in some measure. Um, we're feeling that, that discouragement and it's all the more reason to just hang in there and put an emphasis on the assembling of ourselves together. Here's a good question. Some people say, why aren't we meeting on, on Saturday, on the seventh day of the week? Because that's in the Ten Commandments and uh, the gathering on the seventh day celebrates the first creation. Gathering on the first day of the week celebrates the new creation. And that's uh, when Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the week. And so we are meeting to acknowledge the beginning of the new, that out of the first uh, creation is coming forth a new creation. And we are part of that. So we are to gather on the, the first day of the week. We are to gather. Number the third thing we're to do is to take communion, which if that's possible, we do. Uh, we are to, uh, the Bible doesn't instruct us how often to take communion. There's no indication of that. But early on in this move of God, we began to realize how vital it is to have that time of self-examination. Human beings throughout the world do not take time to look at themselves uh, in the light of God. But the communion brings us to a place where we have to look in a mirror. We have to, before we take the bread, we examine ourselves. Human beings need that. And we, it is such a privilege to be sort of corralled. Sheep don't mind being corralled. They feel safer, but we get corralled into taking time to look at ourselves and say, God, I need you more than ever before. I need your help. And we do that self-examination. That is such a privilege. If we didn't have the communion, I don't know how often we would do it, but praise the Lord for the communion. And of course, the communion is is involvement in the very life and blood of Jesus Christ. When we partake of the communion, we become more of Christ. We partake of him, and he becomes formed in us. 
So we take the communion. We are also, the fourth uh, requirement is to gather in the increase, to bring in tithes and offerings. And I'll, I'll speak on that a bit more. So I'm going to move along. Um, <clears throat> the next title would be giving to God. What do we give? We gather together like this on Zoom and in person to praise him. Into thy presence we come, not by the works we have done, but by thy grace and thy grace alone. We come to praise him. A second thing we give to God is worship. We don't worship any human being. We don't worship anything that's that man has created. And we do not worship anything that God has created. We worship God. We admire things, but we do not worship anyone but God. And that includes Jesus. Praise the Lord. The other thing we do that I, I am not inclined to do is be thankful. We come and bring thanksgiving to the Lord. We're thankful. And again, the blessing of gathering together is the reminder of how we need to be thankful, but listen, how much we have to be thankful for. We have so much to be thankful for. The fourth thing we do with God is repent. We cannot be in the presence of God with without being reminded that there's things in us that are against God. There's rebellion. There's wickedness. There's anger with a brother or sister uh, in your family or in your church family. Re- so repentance is one of the blessings of gathering. And I don't think that we, that me anyway, would really see the need as much as when we gather together and the spirit of the Lord moves on us. And I start to feel, oh, Lord God, I'm, I'm sorry for this that I did. I'm sorry for the pride that I had, for the pride that I have, for, for not giving you credit and so forth. Many things. So that would, that's under the title giving to God. Uh, then, uh, ministering to one another is the next subtitle. And that's where we give to one another and we give to one another. And the first uh, thing I'll mention is prayer, prophecy, songs in the spirit and playing in the spirit. And I want to encourage us who play guitars and pianos that we play in the spirit and sing in the spirit. There's so much could be said about singing in the spirit. Today we heard two voices from the congregation. One was the voice of Jesus uh, singing to the flock, to the bride, and one was the bride singing to the Lord, to the bridegroom. So if you listen to songs in the spirit, you'll hear sometimes Jesus saying, do not be afraid. And other times you'll hear us saying, Lord, we adore you in the spirit. So that's the bride responding. If you read Song of Solomon, you see that interplay there between the, the bride and the groom, Christ and the church. So the second thing in ministering to one another is the word of God. The word of God is meant to be potent. That means it's like strong medicine. Uh, potent. I don't know. Anybody have a 
a definition of potent comes to mind? Power. Yeah, I think we know what it means without... I don't know how to define it, but it's a potent word. (laughs) Strong, yeah. Uh, We must be hearers of the word. That's not good enough. And doers. And then we must yield to what God is saying in his word. Give intentional attention. Intentional attention. That means that we, like the psalmist David said, um, be still my soul. He was speaking to himself and saying, behave. <laughs> Get yourself in a position. And so we, in, we set aside distractions and we give intentional attention to the word of God. Recognize, we should recognize the word of God as our counselor, a loving God, giving us wonderful words, words that do not occur to men. They only occur to God and then they become a benefit to us. Another thing that we do that I think we should do more of, and that is give testimony. They overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So when things happen, when uh, when something comes through for you that uh, you should share it. If, if and I want to say this to the church, I'm going to commission every one of us that if something happens to you where God has given you uh, something special, next Sunday, share it. It's normal in the church, just like sitting around the table uh, in your natural home and something good happens to you. Everybody wants to hear about it. It's normal to give testimony in the church. Another thing, number four on the ministering to one another exhortation, which is coaching. We, We say, yay, go for it. You know, we encourage one another. Uh, lifting one another up, speaking the truth in love. If we're ever tempted to speak the truth when it's not in love, it will do harm. There's never a brighter day than in the middle of the winter with the sun shining on the snow, but nothing grows. Nothing grows. You need warmth. Light is not enough. You need warmth for growth. And so we speak the truth in love. It causes growth. Then there's special songs that we minister to one another. Maybe uh, the Lord has given you a song. Then there's solos and duets. And then there's coming up and, and helping to lead the congregation with a song. You can come up to the front and do that. Then there's... Um, Another topic, and that's the laying on of hands. And Brother Sunbow, I think you ministered on that in Park Valley recently. Um, that's another thing that happens in the house of God is the laying on of hands. And what all ha- happens with laying on of hands? Well, one of the things is that we ordain elders and we ordain deacons. Uh, 
That is one of the blessings of the local church is traveling ministries will come and ordain elders and deacons. And that's a, that's a tremendous blessing. Children are dedicated to the Lord and hands are laid on them by the elders and the parents, mom and dad. It's an important part of the function of the church. It's a blessing to have the children and then to dedicate them to the Lord and dedicate the parents to the Lord. Number three under that one is to pray for the sick and the elders anoint with oil. The elders anoint with oil and the prayer of faith will save the sick. Did I say that right? I'm not sure if I got that just right. But I realize now as I'm saying it, it doesn't necessarily say that it's the prayer of of the elders' faith, but why couldn't it be the prayer of the church's faith when the elders anoint with oil? That we're all lending our faith to that event and, and, and that God would be glorified through it. And I'm not saying that the, the elders don't have a major role and that God will honor it. He'll stand behind his word. But I think we should all be on board for that and that the prayer of faith is it comes from all of us. And then there's another type of prayer, which is very important, and that's the unspoken request. And that is welcomed in the church. That's a blessing. When you bring something that you can't define or you shouldn't define, but you need the church to pray, the unspoken request, God answers that prayer. There's another spiritual event. I've seen it happen in a church service. I think it was in the Caribbean, a wedding. And I've seen that happen in a church service. And that is a church event. A wedding is a church event. We just heard one of the things that that we don't do with weddings for very good reason is we don't have alcohol or dances. And it wasn't long ago that we heard a report from someone that uh, they thanked the minister. They had wanted to have a dance and alcohol, not for themselves, but but because of unsaved family or family that didn't, didn't know that that was how we practiced things. And they came back to the minister And they said, thank you so much. We know how difficult it was for us to accept your admonition. But we noticed that people who would have normally been drinking came up to us after and said, this is the best wedding we've ever attended. And there was a bar just around the corner they could have gone to. And not one did. So let the Lord be glorified. That we, that God, God says marriage is honorable. It's an honorable thing. And so we don't want to open any doors for things that could bring in dishonor. So laying on of hands, there's a setting of an elder and a deacon in a home. The husband as the elder and the wife as the deacon. Uh, the sixth one, a very important part of these last days, prophecy and the imparting of gifts with the laying on of hands. Uh, that's We're all familiar with that. 
that is a blessing that happens in the church. It is part of our legacy as a church. It's part of, of God blessing us, isn't it? All of these things are him sneaking in blessings wherever he can. Another impartation of, uh, by the laying on of hands is the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And so that's number seven, the last one on my list. And I know this isn't comprehensive. I haven't covered everything, but, uh, it, it's, um, so we're, we're so blessed, aren't we? Any amens out there? We're so blessed to have all this. Water baptism is another part. Yeah. And there are hands laid on. I don't know if people can be baptized. I think some maybe do a, a self baptism, but it's not our practice. We generally will will help a person and lay them down. Um, I know the people who baptize themselves, they lean forward, but if you're going to bury somebody, you lay them on their back, right? <laughs> so <laughs> just a little humor there. But the, uh, uh, pu- this water baptism is a public declaration of who we belong to. We belong to Jesus Christ. As much as possible, this is a celebration that involves the whole assembly. It is one of the blessings of belonging to a lo- this local church is if somebody's ready to be baptized, we want to be there. We want to be there. The Christian is baptized into Christ. And I'm going to make a distinction here. Since 1948, and I'm using that timeline, maybe it was before, maybe it was since, we no longer practice baptism into an organization. And which results in membership. That's when you're saved, you are a member of the body of Christ and you don't need any other membership. So that's why we don't have membership because the one in heaven is far superior to anything that we could ever come up with. Uh, the next thing I, uh, is the new title is the privilege of tithing. And I know we'd mentioned tithing before, but it is a blessing to tithe. It's worshiping God with thanksgiving. I think we need to ask for God's help because when we do an e-transfer, it's maybe not as easy to worship. But there's no reason why an e-transfer can't be worship, right? It's We like this way better if we can. Uh, maybe I'm just a traditionalist, but whatever tithing we do should be worshipful. Amen. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. I got shocked when somebody said this, because I'd never thought of it this way. They said, we do not tip God. (laughs) It's not Go, like going into a restaurant and saying, well, I kind of appreciate this waitress. I'll tip her. We do not tip God. He, he doesn't need our approval. And so our giving is not us saying to God, uh, I approve or saying to the, the, the elders, I approve. Tithing is a partnership between us and God and it warrants worship. It's, it is um, far above tipping. 10% is an expression of worship 
and deep gratitude to God, giving thanks to God for his financial blessings. And we here in this city, those of us who are hearing our voice who are in Canada, uh, we are among the most financially blessed on earth. I would say we're probably in the 1% at the top. So we have lots to thank God for. Um, Then there's the next topic is the privilege of giving. So in addition to tithing, we may feel on our heart to give. And that giving can be in the church. Uh, It can be uh, private where you feel on your heart to help somebody out. You may be able to do it in a way that nobody knows who gave it. You may feel that you can't figure out how to do that. You can help somebody. And I remember, Marjorie and I remember the checks in the mail from people in the church, people not even in our congregation, who just sent along money when we were in a real hard place in our early part of our married life and there was not enough money and people gave it's a privilege to give and you can give in the local church Um, it takes wisdom but it is acceptable so when we do it cheerfully and um, I will not expand on that but I think we've all had opportunity to do that The next title would be, uh, when you're in church, you can begin to plan a strategy on how to serve your community. We are not only hearers, but doers. Uh, We have faith that is expressed in works. Works do not replace faith, but they works are an extension of Christ's love through us to others. So faith without works is dead. And so one of the blessings of coming together is that God is working on our minds and giving us strategies on how to make a difference in our community. It can be a smile. It can be a phone call. Uh, It can be a broad, broad array of things that make a difference for people. So the, I remember Brother Dan Levson saying this about the church. He said, the reputation of the church should not be on how good we raise money, but how good we give money. It's how we give. So we can plan ways to give. So making financial donations to community prayerfully as God prompts us. We can do that individually. Volunteering. Here's a list of things that God can inspire us to do and help us to strategize. Like it's the moving of the spirit on our minds that puts in our hearts, oh, I can be making a difference. And it can be over coffee. It can be cheerfulness. Volunteering, coffee, uh, hospital, mental health, soup kitchen, food bank, uh, nursing home visits. School, university, if I was speaking to students in Saskatoon with this message, and I said, at the university, you can volunteer. 
there are Christian organizations there. There's good organizations there. and You can make a difference. Uh, street mission, prison, etc. Maybe there's, there's many things that you're already doing, making a difference at your workplace. The next t- title is We Gather for Personal Growth as a Christian. There, it's, it's just so many benefits, for the lack of a better word, bleed into us. It's the life of Christ flowing. It's the blood of Christ flowing as we meet like this uh, on Zoom and in person. There's changes that come. We gather for personal growth as a Christian. If we don't gather, we need three things essential for the Christian life. That's personal time with Christ, time in the word of God with Christ, and time with God's people in Christ. Three things. If we miss one of those, we're spiritually malnourished, and we're all guilty of a measure of some of that. We can keep improving so we gather for personal growth. Number one, humility. Paul the Apostle said, I am the worst of sinners. He wasn't saying that to make a, a grand statement about how miserable he was. He introduced it to tell how grateful he was. That God in mercy and grace accepted him. We all have to, excuse me for sounding demanding, but we all have to come to terms with how greatly we need God and how far we ha- we are away from him without his help. That causes humility. Matthew did not mention his name, I don't think anyway, in, in the book of Matthew, other than to call himself a publican. We should come to church humble, Realizing all that we are without God and how much he has saved us. How great is our God? How great is his salvation for us? So humility, which is a deep, passionate gratitude that God would accept me as a vile sinner bent on wickedness and rebellion. Um, The heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Do you have a heart? (laughs) We need God. And humility is something that we grow in when we gather. Number two, remembering my unrighteousness and embracing God's forgiveness. It's not good to stew in our past, but to revel in our future. It's Jesus' past that gives us a future. It's what he has done. Remembering our unrighteousness and embracing God's forgiveness. We cannot miss that step. We we cannot beat ourselves up. Jesus bore that for us so that we must receive the forgiveness. That's essential. Uh, I hope that's understandable. Appreciating the magnitude of grace and mercy of Christ to deal with my brokenness and his power to restore, to revive, to invigorate with hope and joy and peace and purpose and perspective. Everlasting joy, we sang. Everlasting joy. God wants us to be joyful. Number three, to rejoice that Jesus gave us the church as our family. 
um, whether you like it or not, we're in this for the long haul as a family, right? And uh, God wants us to rejoice that we have one another, everyone. We, sh- we um, must get to the place where every thought of every person in this local church is a thought of joy and a, and a thought of, of prayer and intercession. So did I say that's number, no, number three, to rejoice that Jesus gave us a church. To grow as a member of my personal family, that's, I can be inspired to do that when I go to church. I want to improve my home. I want to improve myself as a husband, as a wife. You children, when you are in a meeting like this, you can feel God speaking to you. I need to be obeying mom and dad. I need to be kind to my brother and to my sister. And we take uh, our responsibility to serve one another with joy, with encouragement, and with obedience. So uh, number five in this one is uh, we... We learn when we're in church to grow in our personal walk with prayer and reading and meditation. Number six, we remember to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. We don't learn that out there. There are no words out there in the world. A prophecy this morning said it's, it's a toxic place out there, in my words. It's toxic, but when we gather together, uh, we learn to love God with all our soul and mind and heart and strength. And from that to love one another fervently. We don't learn that very well without having a local church. Amen. Amen to that. Okay. Here we go. Now I'm going to be getting us to fasten our seat belts again. Uh, the bonus benefits of being in this congregation, in the church, self-examination. Have you ever heard this saying, honest to God? (laughs) It's hard to do that, but under the anointing, we get honest with God. We want to be honest to God. Pausing, waiting on the Lord, being introspective. We are very inclined, I am, I think you are, to analyze the others more than analyze self. And that, that God helps us in the church to love one another and be introspective and yield our hearts to him. So it's intentional, purposeful uh, examination before God. Now, the next one, we, a benefit of being in a congregation is to be cheered on by the Holy Spirit in others, to cheer, being cheered on by others to say, I've got to grow. I want to grow, to allow change in my heart and life as I yield to his holy presence. This is the benefit of the ministry of one another, that the whole body makes increase of itself in love by that which every joint supplies. The church is a great place to make decisions and commitments to Jesus Christ. Number three, um, under that heading, a bonus is conviction. That's a blessing. Conviction. The work of the Holy Spirit. 
to say, um, there needs to be change. I'm here to help. This has got to go. It's been long enough. Now it's time. Conviction. And that's always gentle, but it's like a vice grip. (laughs) It seems to get tighter and tighter (laughs) until we deal with it. And then God helps us. Uh, Number four, in the service, we, in the congregation, we learn to seek God's help. God, I need help. I need your help. I need your kind of help. It's intentional, purposeful, and strategic. Being a Christian and belonging to a congregation is a very intelligent part of our lives. I would say, Brother Tom's nodding. I like that. Brother Dwayne's nodding. It's very, very intelligent. This is not a place where we quit thinking. It's where wonderful thinking happens. And it's a benefit to belong to this local church and the local churches that are out there. Uh, Another huge benefit for me, I think for all of us, is seeing the big picture. We are ambassadors, representatives of something much greater than our existence here. God has a purpose. He wants a partnership with us. Seeing the big picture, seeing what the whole plan is, where we're headed. Where's This is the big map. Sonship. God is wanting us to move into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Number six, the last one on under benefits, bonus benefits, feeling strengthened, revived, emboldened, and fortified for the week ahead. Number six, feeling strengthened, revived, emboldened. I'm going to do it. Fortified for the week ahead. Isn't it a, a blessing? God allows us to be part of a family like this. Praise his name. If you would like more information about the moving of God's spirit or resources for your spiritual life, please visit our website at www.globalmissionsinc.org.